And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley as we begin a Wednesday election night coverage here at Red Eye Radio Election Night Headquarters. Let's go over to the Red Eye Radio Election Night Headquarters Election Night Desk with Gary McNamara. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what? It looks <laughs> just like your regular desk. <laughs> it does. Yeah. Not, it's uh, amazing. They did an amazing job. Not um not much uh not much different than the decks the the excuse me, the desk last night, not the deck. Yeah. The desk. You're right. Um, you know, I looking at, uh, the, uh, I, bef- before I get into our analysis of it, I just, I love seeing the, um, I love seeing the, uh, 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 analysis. Well, let me go to drudge here. Mega election nightmares. Dems win again. Uh-huh. It's over. <laughs> and, <laughs> Republicans will never win anything ever again. Yeah, okay. Uh and but 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 then and that that's Drudge report. All right, yeah. that that's Drudge. Yeah. All right. And then you you know, you look at CNN. Governor Yunkin's strategy to push Republicans to run on non mega messaging fell short. Yeah. And could nudge GOP candidates across the US further right. Uh-huh. And right. and so I mean it's just it's interesting just to to uh, look at uh, at at all of it. If you you know overall, I, I wasn't surprised by anything last night. Um, you know you get the um, I, I saw on social media some Republicans in Virginia go, "Well, that's it, that's it." You know, basically, I'm just I'm done. You know if. If they can't win in Virginia, which is, mm-hmm. as we know, more of a much more of a, a has been a blue state for a significant uh, period of time. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so um, I wasn't surprised what happened in Ohio. No, uh, no. I, I wasn't surprised at all uh, by that. We'll get into more of a discussion. 
on that bill here in a little bit. I get back to what you and I have said all along. Uh, on on the issues, you know, if you look at, for example, the uh, the the abortion issues we have pointed out, you know, and and the constitutional amendment that was passed in uh, in Ohio, the majority of Americans don't agree with that. Because what it does is, you know, it now they could they could make legislation that limits abortion to a particular number of weeks. And that's how the Democrats were promoting it. The constitutional amendment gives you, you know, uh, makes abortion a state right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And because there are no limits in the constitutional amendment. Republicans have said, well, that means it's unlimited, which at the moment it would be. Yeah, unless they do something right. to, unless, to change that. Right. And as we have stated before on the abortion issue, and the polls that I've seen shows that the majority of, uh, of Americans want some restrictions on abortion. And as we have stated before, that's the key if you're a conservative. Because and and we've I've talked about the number of discussions I've had over the last uh, what is it fourteen months since uh, 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 the Dobbs decision came down, and it's with every single uh, pro-abortion woman that I talk to, every single one who have said it's my body, and mm-hmm. I can do what I want with it. I said, oh, so you're abortion till birth no absolutely not so you're not for partial birth abortion no no way well what should the limit be oh i don't know and there was a number of you know uh, answers 15 weeks 25 weeks i said well then it's not about your body what do you mean what do you mean it's not about because you've just said your body doesn't matter after 25 weeks Mm -hmm. or 26 weeks or 15 weeks or whatever Mm -hmm. you've put the limit on it yourself right and why is that? Why do the majority of Americans believe that that abortion should be limited? Nobody ever asked that question. Why is it? Because the majority of Americans believe that somewhere in the womb, the, the uh, fetus becomes a human being. It's simply the argument, the the debate is simply when it becomes a human being for the majority of Americans. Mm -hmm. And that's why you've had Democrats screaming that they are not for abortion till birth. Screaming when any Republican brings that up, that's not what we believe. Well, for the radicals, Planned Parenthood, whatever, of course that's what they believe. They believe that. And I would probably say that a significant portion of the Democrats in Congress believe in abortion right up to birth. Mm -hmm. And so it's the selling of it, which is why we have said on every single issue that you have out there, this is why the Republican Party needs to get it together, which they don't have it together at all. They don't know where to go. You know, they are more, the Republican Party right now is more on personality. You saw it uh, as in Kentucky, for example. As soon as uh, Bashir won, he's the incumbent. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. like the incumbent one in Kentucky, the incumbent one in Mississippi, who's a Republican and mm-hmm. in in uh, in Kentucky. Uh, you know, Bashir won. Looks like around what the polling the polling was all over the place, mm-hmm. but in the last month, uh, Cameron was only up on in one poll. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bashir was up in in all the rest. So you. Um, uh, you know, and, and immediately it was, you know, uh, all the anti-Trump people in in uh, uh, in the Republican Party and all the candidates. See, Trump endorsements don't work. And that's mm-hmm. why you had Drudge, who hates Trump, state MAGA nightmare, MAGA nightmare. Mm-hmm. And so that's how that was promoted as a MAGA nightmare. Now, did that come into consideration for some... People in Kentucky, probably. Mm-hmm. Was that the difference? I don't know. When you get down to the state level, it's very tough. It's very tough, and we've said this before. It's very tough when you are in a different state to analyze what goes on in state elections if you're not there to monitor it every day. It's pretty tough to come up you know, with a conclusion as to, you know, what is what is actually going on in that particular state. Right. And and so I will say this, though, you and I have said this. Over and over again with this optimism of the poll that came out the other day and we said, look, folks, it's one poll. Mm-hmm. Now, we had fun with it because of how the Democrats responded to that. And we have more on that, you know, coming up. But we've seen it. We've been through a number of election cycles where it doesn't matter where the people stand on the issues. They'll vote against the issues for a personality yep, or against a personality. And that's the problem that Republicans still have. When you look at the actual issues, it's slammed, and more polling out today, slam dunk, absolutely slam dunk for Republicans. When you look at 2008 for Barack Obama, the euphoria uh, was, it was a four Barack Obama vote. In 2012, that still existed somewhat. But to a greater extent, it was against a Mitt Romney. And we saw that play out on the issues Mitt Romney crushed it in all the the uh, the polls after the debates on the issues. You look at it and say, well, there's no way that Mitt Romney will lose. And he did. And they had built up. That even uh, that year during the primary with Newt Gingrich. Using the liberal tactic of going after Romney based on what he did for a living and his business and. That's something we have seen over and over again. Uh, 2016 was a pro-Trump personality. He also identified on the border. He identified the issues. But really, his personality carried him in 2016. And in 2020, it was very different. Even though there was massive turnout for him, there was greater hatred also right. I, against I, him. When you say when when you say his personality, I take in twenty sixteen that 
the part of his personality that stuck with the American public was on things like the economy yes. and doing things for the economy and the border. It's why Make he America really, Great Again worked. Right. He really it worked for him. He was really going to push for it. Yeah. That was the people yeah. believed. Right. He's going to push for that. Based on who he was. Personality may not be the the word that applies completely, but in part it was because everybody said, look at his negotiating skills, look at the type of businessman that he is not just that he was a businessman because four years early earlier Mitt Romney was a businessman and he didn't get the job yeah I, I think it was uh and, and this is not some people may take it as a negative it's funny because I'll say things that are supposed that are positive towards somebody and somebody will take it as I can't believe you're so negative I wasn't that was actually a a positive yeah uh but I think the anger and frustration that he showed resonated with the american people of this is a guy who's as angry as i am mm-hmm. and we need to get these things done mm-hmm. and i think that's that's the part of his personality that that uh, resonated at that point but you know I, I look overall at the republican party and and uh, you know you see trump didn't lose anything when he basically you know had you, you've got pro-life people saying my god trump abandoned you know, what he did in 2016 with getting the, you know, the judges in there in the Supreme Court and overturning Roe v. Wade. And mm-hmm. now he's talking about the fact, well, I can come up with a deal. I, I can come up with a deal that will please everybody on abortion. Now, I know people will get upset uh, This that are loyal Trump supporters no matter what. That was a delusional statement mm-hmm. by Trump. Mm-hmm. You're not going to please anybody with any abortion, uh, with any abortion legislation in the United States, you're not going to get no. both sides happy. No, that's not going to happen. It would have happened. All, it would have happened by now yes. if if it were possible. This is going to continue to go back and forth. And as you see, I, as I've said, the one positive on the abortion issue for conservatives is already the majority of people want limits on it. If they want limits, and this is talking about the issue, not the politics of it. But the actual issue and what's in people's minds, as I have discovered over the last couple of years, every, like I said, every single person here, and we're talking now over 10 women that I talked to on it, mm-hmm. that, you know, that all of them pro-choice, but none of them believing, not one, that it should go to birth. Mm-hmm. Well, then you have to ask yourself, you know, and then the, the, you get in that question where the Democrats scream, well, it's not about going to, you know, birth. We're not for that. You're lying about that. That was that what happened in Ohio. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, many Democrats, the politicians want that. And the pro-abortion groups want it till birth. Mm-hmm. And and so and but they understand that the fear of you can't sell that to the public. Well, why can't you sell it to the public? dig down deeper into that particular issue because at some point Americans believe that it becomes a human being in the womb. Mm -hmm. That can only go in one direction as we find out more and more and more in technology, you know, about, you know, when, you know, (laughs) you've seen, for example, probably sonograms and things like that and all that Mm -hmm. have helped move that in that particular direction. Mm Mm-hmm. And and so that's the positive if you're a conservative uh, uh, on it. The negative that you have on it uh, is the fact that uh, abortion is like a lot of other issues 
I want it for my convenience. Mm-hmm. If I do something, if 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 I do something, uh, uh, you know, if I have sex and get pregnant, well, that's okay. I can get rid of it, mm-hmm. and that is somebody in their own self-interest saying, I'm not even going to consider whether it's a life or not. I'm not getting in that debate. I just want to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. For example, uh, this came out, Bloomberg's projections from October of last year, not the fiscal year from October 1st, but from October uh, uh, 31st of last year to October 31st of this year, we now passed a trillion dollars in interest on the debt. A mm-hmm. trillion dollars. Mm-hmm is going uh, towards it. Americans don't care about putting our burden on future generations. We say to hell with the unborn. Let's put our debt on them. There's no serious discussion on it. We've talked about the immorality on it. It doesn't resonate with Americans. They don't care. They want what they want, and they want it now. You can say that about the, the you can say it about the you know uh, about abortion you can say it about the debt where we are they don't care a significant you may you may but Americans overall don't care and you look at it the, where the Democrats have gone with victim oppressor think about this think about the defense and <laughs> the vast majority of it comes from the Democrat side and the liberal side. On Jews. Mm-hmm. Genocide. Fine. Mm-hmm. You don't think there's a relation between all of it? No, oh, yeah. When you look at it. And I, I wasn't. That wasn't a. That was a rhetorical question. I well, wasn't no, asking I, you that. It question. doesn't have yeah. to be a rhetorical question. There absolutely is. <laughs> yeah. And we pointed that out before. If there's no regard for life at the very beginning. Then tell me what. Tell me what you do care about. Yeah. Because the majority of Americans believe it's a life somewhere in there. Yep. Well. Some just don't care. I don't want to think about it. I just right. want what I want from now. the very beginning. And if that's their, if that's their, uh, a foundation of their beliefs, right. they'll carry that all the way through. And we're seeing that. We had a great show ahead. Eight six six ninety Red Eye. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. With advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Cold temperatures and water can lead to only one outcome. And ice has no place in the truck's air system. That's why it's crucial to keep your air system moisture-free as the temperatures begin to drop. Make sure your air system is in top condition before plunging temperatures put it to the test. In addition to changing your air dryer desiccant cartridge and draining your air tanks, make sure that no alterations have been made to the air compressor discharge line. This can dramatically increase the amount of moisture in the air system. Lastly, have a professional technician check the condition of your air dryer heater, purge valve, and check valve. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed, bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal, but man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find 
great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. I'll tell you the one thing that I did agree with, the one instant analysis, is mm. uh, because uh, in in Virginia, uh, the uh, the state house went back to Democrats and the Senate stayed Democrat, any thought of Yunkin running in 2024 is gone. Mm. Yeah. That's gone. Yeah. I, that that instant and now I don't know if he was going to run or not. Right. But the 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 fact is when that happened, it was like okay, there, there's just because no, they've always talked about Young Youngkin getting in, you know, at 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 some point because he is the non you know non mega guy who has right. had success. Right. Yeah. Now that's that's gone now. There was still a story of that uh, a couple of days ago actually yeah. uh, in the media. You know that the support for Youngkin is different, and it makes you wonder. Does McAuliffe come back? Does he run again at some point? Listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. And he's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Download our Red Eye Radio app today, and you can listen when and where you want. You know, you and I said this. If anybody believes that because of the change that the blue states are going to become uh, more red, that's not going to happen. And if you have people moving out over the next 75 years because that's the projection of population growth Mm -hmm. where the blue states aren't going to be growing they're going to become more blue and i just don't see you and i have said this we don't see any big even with where the polls are right now which on the issues 
on the on the issues on the the federal level because abortion is no longer on the federal level. That's a state level. Now that could affect the elections next year if you've got propositions in different states on abortion that could drive Democrats to the poll and it could affect the election again. Right. If they're not motivated to vote for Joe Biden, they'll be motivated for that quite right. possibly. Yeah. Right. So and and so that that may be a problem for Republicans in other swing states. Uh, next year mm-hmm. for Ohio, though, right. it won't be a problem mm-hmm. because that's already settled at that particular point. Right. And and so and and but um, uh, it's not it's not going to change now in the state of Texas, for example, uh, there were 14 different mm-hmm. 14 yeah. uh, constitutional propositions mm-hmm. on the ballot. Thirteen passed. One did not. Uh, but when you look at it, most of them that passed are conservative. Yeah. You know, when you look at it and pass by wide, wide uh, 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 margins. Uh, Proposition 3, for example, forcing lawmakers to ask voters to auth- uh, for authorization before they could impose any new state taxes on residents that would be based on net worth or wealth. 69% to 31%. Yeah. I mean, that's huge. Yeah. No, because because the wealth tax is something, you know, the wealth tax is, I, I thought that would be closer. I thought that might be, seriously, I thought that might be 55 to 45. Because mm. there is a huge Democrat population inside the United States, or excuse me, inside the state of Texas. Right, yeah, we're almost as big as the United States, yeah. <laughs> but, but that was sixty-nine to thirty-one. Like, whoa! Uh, you had, for example, another proposition here in the state of Texas, just to give you a clue: requiring state and local governments to provide evidence that regulation of generally accepted farming and ranching practices is needed to protect the public from danger. That approved eighty to twenty. Yeah. Right. Wow. 80 to 20. Yeah. Uh, here we go. Allowing the state to spend $18 billion on property tax cuts for homeowners and businesses, cut school districts' tax rates, and enact other tax changes. Are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. That passed. 84% to 16% in the state of Texas. Every major newspaper endorsed it. I mean, it was, it, and I, because I thought to myself, once I saw that trend and doing the research, I thought, all right, what you're seeing right now, especially with inflation, is even liberals saying, you know what? People need relief. And we need to do something. Now, think about that when it comes to school taxes. I thought there would be a stronger push from liberals in the state to say, no. If we start lowering the school taxes, then public schools are going to suffer. And you didn't have that kind of pushback. Well, not I'm... to the extent I thought it would be. And uh... Again, you go to the poll. Oh, we get a I, we can get a tax cut, lower our property taxes. Everybody's going to go for it. Mm. But understand that the selling of 
not cutting taxes you know, nationwide and how mm-hmm. liberals have embraced that we need to tax more. Right. Oh, my God. That passed 84 to 16. And then mm-hmm. with the talk of Democrats on the wealth tax, for that proposition to pass, 69% that it would force lawmakers to ask voters for authorization before they could impose any new state state taxes on residents that would be based on net worth or wealth, 69% to 31%. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's because uh, the 31%, there were 596,000 votes for that. That's the 31%. That was all Austin. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Austin also is is, uh, what, uh, what killed Prop 13, which would raise, would have raised the mandatory retirement age of talk show hosts to 79. It's currently at 75. So in the state of Texas, talk show hosts have to retire. <laughs> it was for judges, actually. Yeah, for judges. Uh, the increase in the mandatory retirement age, uh, state judges from 75 to 79, mm-hmm. uh, and the minimum retirement age from 70 to 75. It, that was it, the ageist, all the ageist in, in yeah. Austin. <laughs> <laughs> The young people. All right, but the one the one that we need to talk about, we've talked about this one a lot on the air because this is just pure insanity, mm-hmm. and it did pass 66% to 34%. Mm-hmm. This is the one that we have talked about. This shows the insanity, and I can understand somebody voting yes for it who's a Republican. Oh, no, if you look at the Republican makeup in, in terms of the, uh, the the state House and the state Senate, it had broad support. Very right. few Republicans voted against but, it. But I can I can understand that if you're a I, I understand that if you're a Republican in the state of Texas mm-hmm. and you're looking at the federal government and the amount of subsidies they've given to solar and wind mm-hmm. and understanding how it works and the fact that you're not going to stop that, but you can't have a free Zola like we had in February of twenty one. Mm-hmm. That that's what, by the, the way, that's what the, 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 there were two newspapers, the, in fact, both major newspapers in our area endorsed it. They were for it. And they cited, uh, I think it was the Dallas Morning News that cited, look, after Frizola, we can't have that happen again. Now, there were, I didn't read the entire article. That was the basis of their support right. for it. Right. But, but the fact is, you're not going to stop the federal government from, because it's pure, the, the whole, makeup now of what the grid's going to be in texas is pure insanity yeah it's absolute insanity right but i understand why the republicans introduced this because they had no choice they can't fight the federal government right on it and the federal government as we have stated frizzola happened uh because wind and solar didn't work when it got really cold out and cloudy right Mm -hmm. and then you had problems with the transportation of 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 uh, natural gas to some of the natural gas plants out there. And then Mm -hmm. some of the coal generation plants had problems. But as we said, nobody is going to, no one is going to put in any long-term capital investment in to those forms of energy production when the federal government has made it known to any company that's going to do it, you're out of business. Mm -hmm. You're out of business. And now that's what the, the, the prop seven 
will facilitate that right. investment. So, right. With, with taxpayer funds. Right. With ta- so what's what's happening is because they don't want Frizola to happen again. Mm-hmm. Then the state of Texas, because they can't fight the federal government, had to come in and and say, all right, we're putting this to the people. Do you want to basically build natural gas plants that won't be running all the time, mm-hmm. but they'll be ready to go at a moment, at a at an instant, and if you know they'll they'll have enough reserves actually on site or do whatever they need to ensure. Because look, I grew up in New York, and natural gas has been around for the longest time. And before they went nuts on getting rid of you know whatever they could in natural gas, we had natural gas my entire life, and I don't remember ever with all the cold winters we had natural gas ever going out ever right. not mm-hmm. once mm-hmm. so we have the technology to do that mm-hmm. but with oh texas learned that years ago this freezola wasn't the first time they had problems with it and so the delivery of it should have been remedied then right long before freezola and that would have solved a lot of the problems that happened during that period so they're going to build a bunch of uh, on this, they're going to build a bunch, as long as the Republicans are in power, mm-hmm. because this constitutional amendment, if Democrats get in, then they could take that energy fund and use that not for natural gas plants. They could switch it to something else. Mm-hmm. But right now, it's going to go for natural gas plants that will only be running. They won't be running full time, so right. they can't make any money. Right. So it was either raise rates or create an energy fund. That has to be paid for by the taxpayer. Right. To actually subsidize natural, all forms of energy on the grid will be subsidized. Mm -hmm. Natural gas, wind, and solar. Mm -hmm. Because the primary is wind and solar, which has to be subsidized. It can't make it on its own. Right. Natural gas could make it on its own and make a profit. Right. But since we have, since the federal government has focused in on 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 uh, that, and the state can't refuse it. The state's only recourse is to basically charge the taxpayer to build a backup for the insanity that we're getting from the liberals and the federal government. Yeah, I saw an expert uh, over the weekend. I think it was Saturday or Sunday, who believes that a lot of these mandates, wind, solar, EVs, and everything else, they're he believes they'll all be repealed. I they will they'll have to be. I don't know how they I don't know how you enact them without crushing, stomping the economy. I I don't know how you do that. Let alone the delivery of energy, but it would just crush the economy because uh you know, going back to two thousand eight, two thousand nine, when the OEMs were bleeding cash. That whole bailout, what was the liberal call for the bailout once Obama got into office? Well, we have to do this because all these dealerships will close. You want to see dealerships gone? Force them to do what California is going to do in 2035. But he believes even California, he believes that will be repealed even in California. Well, when you see the interest on the the, the, the debt now, mm-hmm. hit a, a trillion dollars from 
at the end of October of last year to the end of October of this year, mm-hmm. just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And we thought that might happen because when right. we saw that they, they borrowed, what was it, like $400 billion in October. Right. I went, my God, Eric, they may hit a trillion for that, and they did, according yep. to Bloomberg estimates. Yep. yep. A trillion dollars of interest. There is no money. No. No. And There's, everything now, they're borrowing everything. You're going to have to, yeah, you're going to have to, everything that you expand now, the borrowed money is going to have to go to cover the interest. Right. And so, because it's got to make up in the budget, it's got to uh, make up for what you're paying in interest. And if it's a trillion dollars, and then more than a trillion dollars, where will it? Where will it be in two years, three years, four years? That's not that far away. Eight six six ninety red eye. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. I guess Tlaib got uh, censured uh, mm. last night, so mm-hmm. doesn't mean anything. No. No, it doesn't. Um, she can wear her scarlet letter along with Representative I guess. Mace. They can yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, but uh, I wasn't surprised. 22 Democrats joined. Yeah. That's how toxic that is. Yeah. 22 Democrats joined Republicans on it. Right. Yeah, it will be interesting to see where this goes and how the entire thing, uh, the war uh, between Israel and Hamas affects 24. I mean, there's no doubt it it is going to in a big way, but it's impossible to measure right now because you don't know where the left is going to go with this. The insanity that is everywhere. I mean, and... You know, this isn't something that the liberal media isn't reporting on. Yeah, they are reporting on it. It is yeah, you're right. all yeah. over every channel and yeah. the discussion. They're talking about it. Well, you know, to to see Chip Roy bring up Talib going after Biden. Yeah. I mean, that was a bizarre. I watched that yesterday. I'm like, this is bizarre. Yeah, Chip right, Roy exactly. talking about Talib going after Biden. Yeah saying that he's committing a genocide right. in Israel. I, I'm like, where am I? <laughs> I, I thought of that. It, I? Was, it was about a week ago that thought crossed my mind where you would have, it was it was going to be, you know, the, the it would probably be the GOP defending this administration's support for Israel against the attacks from the far left on Capitol Hill, which it turned out to be. That's what happened with Chip Roy. I know. <laughs> Just bizarre. I know, totally. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. 
Visit houseproducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on West. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Thanks for being here. Well, there you go. This uh, from uh, Bloomberg. Hmm. U.S. Treasury bills may face renewed selling pressure into the new year if one measure of the nation's swelling debt repayment bill is any guide. Uh, Bloomberg estimates estimated annualized interest payments on the U.S. government debt climbed past a trillion dollars at the end of last month. Bloomberg analysis shows that projected amount has doubled in the past 19 months from the equivalent figure forecast around that time. Mm. <laughs> That's you and what they're, what they're saying is can we find enough people to buy the debt? And if you can't interest rates need to go up on what you pay treasury bills which means that adds <laughs> to the interest and the debt, the interest on the debt. I mean, it's just, I, I will tell you this, the the problem that Republicans have, and we touched on this a couple of weeks ago with the whole speaker thing, is the fact that when things, and, and you look into next year, and that's why I look at a poll the other day that shows, you know, Trump dominating over Biden. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. Why? You go into a recession. If you go into a recession, what happens? You don't collect enough tax dollars, which means the debt goes up even more. And there's more borrowing, which, uh, again, and the Democrats wanting to spend more. And when things get bad, the people of the United States expect checks from the government. Yeah. With inflation, and if we go into a recession, Americans want the government to help them through it. Yep, we know. Yep. It's they've come to expect it. Democrats don't want to cut spending at all. They're not looking at the end game at all. Republicans are. But the split over Republicans is those that wish to shut the government or initially wanted to shut the government down now versus those Republicans that say we need to win the House, the Senate and the presidency. Or we need to have a, a have the House and the presidency or whatever. We need more in Congress enable uh, uh, for us to uh, be able to actually start cutting. Now, the bad thing is, no matter what happens, we're going to have to cut. And there's going to be cuts even if we don't cut. Even if the budget remains the same... We have to cut because the interest on the debt is eating into programs. Yep. And and so that's the problem that you have is the fact that you have the Democrats are unified into spending whatever we need. 
And they'll be out there saying, in this time, we shouldn't be worried about the deficit. We should be worried about getting the American public uh, through these bad times that they created with the policy that they wish to continue, which is borrowing money that we don't have. Right. And the Republicans will come in and say, no, we need to cut. And the American public will not want to hear any of that. Nope. Because the American public, by and large, does not care that we are putting what we have wanted on the backs of our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. Americans don't care. That's the biggest problem that Republicans have. And the, the worst part is many Republicans are trying to do the right thing. But it doesn't matter. The right thing, this is where we get into the abstract. The right thing down the road is not the right thing for the reality that the American people want right now, which is give 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 us money so we can get through this terrible time that you created. Mm-hmm. by spending money that you don't have, spend more money that you don't have to get me through to next month. And even in good times, I want you to spend more and more and more. Right. I want that immediate gratification because we don't even, as a society, far too many people don't even care about their own personal finances to the extent of setting up proper savings uh, for emergencies, and then setting up a 401k for investment or, or for retirement. So if we don't care about the future us as individuals, we don't care about future generations. No. There's nope. that's never that's never going to be a thing. And the other thing that I see uh that and again it may just be just may be a a, a couple of people in the Republican party but the John McCain problem. Mm. We've been calling Josh Hawley, Senator Hawley, we've been calling him John McCain 2.0. Mm-hmm. Not only because he has proposed a cap on credit card interest rates, which if they're going up, they're going up. Why? Because the government spent too much money. Mm-hmm. But the fact is the government has no business. Yeah regulating capital in the way that Josh Hawley wishes to do it. And then Josh Hawley came out last week. Wall Street Journal had an article on it. We touched on it last week and more information coming out on it. He wants to go back and repeal Citizens United. Right. Which would stop corporations. Now, he says that no, I, that unions and, and the NRA and, and groups that get together that, you know, that they should be able to have freedom of speech but only and it for- w- this would be about for him this would be about publicly traded companies right publicly traded companies mm-hmm. uh should not have free speech rights that's a load of i i don't want to go through what i went through with uh uh fine gold mm-hmm. <laughs> when i worked at our great affiliate kxl back in this had to be 98 or 99 when when uh uh he he came on to promote his you know john mccain corporate remember corporations aren't people right that's not the argument. The argument, as was made, I think Justice Kennedy made it, well, no, corporations are laws set up by the state to regulate business. That doesn't mean those human beings don't have free speech rights. But it's the populist liberal opinions 
of somebody who was viewed as conservative like Josh Hawley that I fear also is a huge problem down the road for Republicans. Well, because it reeks of uh, George W. Bush at the end of 2008 and then later telling some of our colleagues, and I think it was it even got out in the media, he had uh, invited uh, a, a few of our uh, people we know in the in the talk radio industry to the White House in its final days of office. I know that I didn't always adhere to my principles. And he had said at one point, sometimes you have to abandon your principles. No, you don't. No, that's actually when you adhere to them is in the worst of times because you can't stop the pain it's how you deal with the pain. You can't go back to the Clinton administration, 1999, and putting the whole subprime mortgage thing into action. You can't go back and change that. You can't go back. There's no time machine that's going to go back and prevent or change what happened. It's about how you deal with it. And if you have conservative principles, and you you and I talked about that situation, well, we probably would have seen a harder recession for a shorter period of time. Well, but we would have known right. where the bottom is. And when you when you say, "Well, I'm going to," I'm, or when you act, when you behave in a manner that is abandoning your conservative principles, I have to question them to begin with. Well. I just it it just it galls me when I see Josh Hawley, you know, Hawley, uh, excuse me, Hawley, Hawley, <laughs> uh, you know, going after the Biden administration for cens- censoring and and denying people free speech rights. And he's actively promoting the bogus unconstitutional proposition. And by the way, he's trying to make this a constitutional amendment. It's not going to go anywhere, mm-hmm. but it's what he's trying to push in order to become more popular. Which is a liberal talking point of, well, no, free speech shouldn't apply here because it may be negative. And so the government should decide what free speech is. So on one hand, he's talking out of both sides of his mouth as he's talking about the Biden administration trying to find a way to censor people and deny people free speech. He's proposing denying people free speech Mm -hmm. and using the same argument that the absolute most liberal Democrats used over the last 25 years Mm -hmm. with McCain-Feingold. Right. Everybody has freedom of speech rights. You don't lose your freedom of speech rights because you say, oh, um, the government has set up this these rules and regulations to enter business. I'm going to do that with other people right. and we're going to become publicly traded. But we have a board. We have a board and we have people that run this company. And then Republicans come in who claim they're cons- conservatives really poser conservatives and start saying you don't have your free speech rights to promote what's best for your company right so uh, we're gonna we're gonna limit i senator hawley i'm going to limit free speech rights for what i feel is justifiable to get rid of free speech rights it's bogus well it is again um you know this is it when you start compromising the principles, the very principles of uh, the the 
of, of what the founders intended. When you talk about free speech rights. And then and then saying, which is why he wanted to amend the Constitution. With it. Well, he has to because he can't get by. You, you can't get by the free citizens speech United, rights. Right. Well, and, you, and, yeah. Or the decision on Citizens United. You would have right. to go back and change all. But here's the problem. He knows you'll never get a constitutional amendment like that passed. So why are you? You're, so you're doing it purely for positioning. Yep. Politically. Yep. Why in the world would you want to do that? Well, he's trying to become a populist. Why now. would you? Why would you? Why well, would you want to die on that hill? Because you see people going through pain, and again, it goes back to the the same kind of mindset of a George W. Bush. Well, it's time to abandon, you know, my conservative well, principles. Well, it's the same arrogance that you get from Democrats who say we can control an economy. And Senator Hawley's doing the same thing with his credit card bill of we need to cap credit card. Uh, what was it? 17 or 18 percent or something like that. Yeah. Uh, we need to we need to uh, do it that. Oh, I'm from the government and I know because I'm promoting myself as somebody that opposes these liberals. So I'll promote a liberal philosophy mm-hmm. and frame it as a populist conservative mm-hmm. where I can control the capital better that if I Senator Hawley get to control the capital of the banks, then the system will run much better and you will have less problem in your life. Mm-hmm. It's a load of horse manure because we know the ultimate effect. Yeah. You put a cap on it. Then rates are going to, and it would, we've seen this happen with any type of government cap on pricing. You'll see those rates, even people with the best of credit, it will hover right, right at 18%. And that's the, that's an, I'm I'm framing this in the problem that the, because I think he's more blunt in proposing things that are the most absolute liberal things that have been promoted in the past that he is trying to reframe as conservative Republican. Right. That's going to be a problem for the Republican Party. Right. And I don't think anybody else has called Hawley out on it. No. No. Except our show. I don't know right. anywhere. I've checked. I've checked to see if anybody has called him out. On, well, the Wall Street Journal has. Wall Street Journal has. Yeah. And probably okay. National Review has. But uh, in in the other conservative media, I don't think anybody even knows it's happening. They haven't even thought about it. Mm -hmm. You and I instantaneously went, what? No, stop it. Stop being a liberal and trying to frame yourself. Don't don't say you're one thing when you're actually another thing. Exactly. Don't say you're conservative when you're a liberal. Right. On those issues. Right. You may be conservative on others. But on those, he is as liberal as you could possibly get, actually to the point of more socialist. Yeah. I'm going to control the capital. If I get to do it, if Republicans get to control the capital, the Republicans can run the economy better than the Democrats. No, I don't want any of you damn fools running the damn economy. Well, and again, we've seen that attempt over and over again. This is the problem with the Republican Party. If we're at a point where, and, and we asked the question, we've been asking the question for a few years now, how many true conservatives actually exist in not, office? Not many. Not many. 
It's very few. And a lot fewer in the Republican Party. And that's oh, yeah. the problem. Yeah. You start blending together exactly. with the Democrats. There exactly. is, what's the difference? And that's been going on for far too long. Yep. And now we're at the point where there's a handful, maybe. Yep. I think we came up, at one point, we came up with a total of one and two-eighths. Is that because we... We gave Rand Paul a half or something like or that. Or three yeah. quarters because yeah. he, he had come out. What was that? That was on the salt tax. The salt tax. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. He, he, he said, well, you know, the the citizens in uh, the states, you know, my colleagues' states of California and New York would be disproportionately affected, blah, blah. And we were like, when when did Rand Paul care about New York or California, and then we found out in that kind of state. because he knew what the problem was, yeah. And then it was like, oh, you mean your state? Yep. Which is exactly what what was behind it. Eight six six ninety red eye. Brought to you by FPPF Fuel Power Max. Uncompensated detention at docks frustrates drivers of all stripes. If you're an owner-operator, you have at least some control over the matter. Make the subject a standard part of your rate and or contract negotiations on the front end. You can use your own numbers to calculate an hourly rate to compensate for lost income opportunity, as well as fixed costs, which don't stop when the truck stops. Those two elements of a fair detention rate were deemed appropriate by most of Overdrive's audience almost a decade ago. We've used income, fixed costs, and miles average of our owner-operator business services from ATBS's clients to compute an average $64 an hour detention rate then. And 10 years later, the figure is $83 an hour. Use your own numbers to calculate your rate. A simple conversation with any broker or shipper or your carrier, if you're leased, about what you're putting in the rate might yield results you don't expect. Owner Operator Business 101 is provided by Overdrive's Partners in Business Program. Go to OverdriveOnline.com to the Partners in Business section of the website for more details on this and many other topics. Brought to you by Shell Rotella. With advanced synthetic technology is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. So there, with uh, uh, you know, being a year out now from uh, the uh, election of 2024, which is going to be huge. That's the that's the challenge and the problems for uh, Republicans there, as we just laid out in the yeah. last segment. So. Right. Uh, it, you know, I I think if you look at uh, the challenges that they had, again, a total of roughly four weeks of this year has been spent on finding a Speaker of the House. That's, I think, indicative of what the 24 challenges are going to be for the party. And I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what the districts right now that are out there, I don't know how they're viewing this. I don't know how many independents might vote differently uh, in a district that is not red at the moment. It's going to be interesting to watch how they campaign.
you're a threat to democracy if you don't download our app, Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Thanks so much for uh, being here. All right. Uh, looking here at uh, some of the polling numbers out the CNN poll that uh, came out was really interesting. Mm. 55% uh, support a border wall. <laughs> My how time. I'm sorry. That was changed. that was a Siena, Siena uh, poll. Yeah. That was a Siena yeah. poll. Yeah. Okay. Fifty five percent support it. You had the uh, CNN poll come out. Biden's lowest approval number, tied for his lowest approval. Mm. Uh, this here from where did I get this from? Mm. Uh, okay. Hang on here. <laughs> Uh, okay, this this story is from Breitbart, but they didn't do the poll. A near majority of American voters believe that former President Donald Trump's top economic focus is to bring down the price of goods, which they say is their top concern, according to a poll. In contrast, under a quarter believe that Joe Biden is more concerned with creating jobs. The Democratic Strategy Group Blueprint and YouGov poll first shared with Semaphore shows that a majority, 64%, see the lowering of prices on goods, services, and gas in the wake of 40-year high inflation as their most pressing economic focus. Higher wages. And this is the Democrat strategy group. Hmm. 64% see that lowering the price of goods, services, and gas in the wake of 40-year high inflation as her most pressing economic focus, higher wages came in at a distant second at 20%. Lowering interest rates and creating more jobs drew the fewest responses at 9% and 7% respectively. And that sort of blows Senator Hawley's mm. balloon on that one, huh? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There it is again. This is the Democrat strategy group blueprint and a YouGov poll first shared with Semaphore. The website shows 64% see the lowering of the prices of goods, services, and gas in the wake of 40-year high inflation as their most pressing economic need. However, voters do not consider reducing prices a top two issue in the Biden agenda. While only 7% of voters think more jobs is the top economic concern, and you know why? People that really want a job have a job. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're creating more jobs. I got a job. You got a job? You got to Okay. Yeah. There's more jobs than there are people. That's a good point in, in that if if the administration were out there saying, look, we're creating all these jobs, all these jobs, all these jobs with high unemployment in place. That would resonate with some because it would give them hope that a job is going to come their way. If you're already employed. It, it doesn't matter what the administration says about creating jobs because it doesn't affect people. 
Only 23% think he regards lowering the cost of goods, services, and gas as his main economic focus. Mm. 9% believe he sees lowering interest rates in that light. Mm -hmm. Well, at least Josh Hawley has something in common with uh, Biden there with those 9%. Mm. Conversely, 49% of voters say Trump's chief priority is to lower the price of goods and services followed by creating more jobs at 24%. Another 15% say lowering interest rates takes precedent for Trump, while Trump 12% believe higher wages do. Respondents were also asked to grade the performance of Bidenomics as good or bad on each of the economic issues, more jobs, higher wages, lower prices on goods and services, lower gas prices and lower interest rates and mortgages and credit cards, the Biden economic branding only received a positive net rating in the more jobs department, with 55% saying Bidenomics does well in this area and 45% saying it performs poorly. In comparison, voters were split regarding its ability to raise wages at 50% good and 50% bad. From there, 56% of voters say Bidenomics has done a lousy job in lowering the cost of goods, services, and gas prices, the top issue for voters. Notably, Democrats in swing districts have been careful to steer clear of the term Bidenomics. (laughs) You know the interesting thing? Now, Trump's, look, he's, he's got the trials and everything going on. What is the things that, that you and I, you know, he has talked about energy. And I, and I think if, if he wishes to counteract that, that would, should be part of his campaign. We're going to produce natural gas. We're going to produce uh, oil. We are going to have the lowest energy prices in the world because we're producing it here. And we're producing it here, which means uh, more great jobs, but it will lower the cost of not just oil and natural gas, but it will lower the cost of everything across the board because that is used in the production of almost everything. Mm -hmm. But when Trump talks about a 10% tariff on all goods coming into the United States, he's talking about increasing inflation 10% overnight. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, it's because that's one of his big, that's one of his biggest things. I will, I will put a tariff on all goods coming into the United States, 10%. Uh-huh. Right. Well, that's an instant 10% raise. And the public apparently hasn't been informed of that one. Cause you think, or, that, or they don't believe you'll get it done. They'll, yeah. they believe it's one of those empty promises. And I mean that for protectionists. That's one or the other. Because that's what I think he should focus on. Because that would be the next question. How would Trump lower prices? Tariffs would increase prices. Well, what what it comes down to is, and we talked about this the other night, is people live in the past. There's a reason that those memes of former presidents that say, miss me yet, resonate with people. Because people want to look back and say, and in this case, they can. 
up until COVID, the Trump administration years were great. The economy was expanding. You saw, I mean, everything was where it needed to be. Now, we can point out, okay, there were still some things that were in the fire that could have blown up because 0% interest wasn't going to last forever. Right. But you get up to the point of COVID and people in their minds say, no, I was much better off. And I think that's where you have it. That's the problem for the Democrats with inflation. And and by the way, it's also going to be a problem for the next president, including whoever it is, including Donald Trump. Oh, yeah. Because prices won't come down unless it's for the very wrong reason, the bad reason of a deep recession. We've never seen actual true deflation except one time, and that was during the Great Depression. Well, you're not going to see that likely. You're going to see recessions. Those come and go, but not to the point of drastically bringing prices down, not to the point, certainly, of restoring the spending power of Americans and what they had during those years in Trump. Because that's the the other part of it is, all right, what what's another remedy? If we could greatly expand the economy, right, and and really get the GDP cooking, this is a huge if. It would, in order to do that, what would be required? The reason it's a huge if. What would be required is a hell of a lot more humans to work the jobs as a nation. And and think about this because Trump was talking legal immigration mm-hmm. with Jim Acosta the day that. Jim Acosta got thrown out. That's actually what they were discussing uh, discussing at that time. And Trump was saying, look, I think we need more legal immigration. But Americans don't want that right now. And the reason they don't want that is because that topic has been burned by the open borders that we have under the current administration. So you're not going to get that political will to open the doors. We're not creating new humans because we're not procreating as a society the birth rate is ultimately low so delivering on whether it's an implied promise that people have in their in their head or just confidence that they have in him getting it done i think the economy will improve but it won't be to the extent that it was during his first term, well, no, if he becomes president. No, I mean, and and that's why when you ask, you know, what, as a political consultant, if I'm a political consultant, and he keeps me on board for a week or two mm. uh, before he fires me. An uh, hour or two. <laughs> <laughs> I would simply tell him, shut up about the tariffs. Yeah. Because right now, when you look at it, America's this, and this comes from the Democrats, and that's why they're, that's why, if you think about it, that came out this past weekend, mm-hmm. and that was a de- so that went through Democratic circles like crazy. Right. The biggest problem is inflation. Well, it's and- in, it's it's inflation, and it's it's major. And most people believe that the vast majority believe Trump 
will come in and he can lower prices. Well, how do you do it? You've got, because the only way you can do it, you pointed out the problems. We don't have the labor force to drastically increase the GDP, but we do have the ability to ramp up uh, oil, natural gas, big time, and drastically lower the world oil prices and natural gas prices, which would definitely help expand the the uh, the economy and lower prices. But I would tell him, stop talking about a ten percent tariff on everything coming into the United States. We've, you're telling, yeah, you know, that you're vulnerable. Then you're telling America that they're they're looking at you because that poll is really important. They're looking at oh, you yeah. when they say to make the economy better. No, no, no. They're looking at you to lower prices. And then we have to look at it, it, and and it's interesting because you and I have looked at, uh, we were talking about uh, where uh, Nikki Haley in the one poll was performing in Wisconsin far better than than Trump was. In fact, Trump was underwater by two points against Biden, and she was up by 14. 14. And when you look at the independents, there's the question I would have. We've talked about this. Farmers didn't like the whole tariff thing because they wanted their their trade routes reestablished the way they were. Tariffs cause a lot of pain for them. Well, you see a lot of those independent voters are in those farming states. What did you see from Iowa? The governor endorsing DeSantis. Why is that? I'd like to know. I, I really would. I'd like to know if she heard that from the farmers in that state that we're concerned about Trump putting more tariffs in, even if he didn't do 10% across the board, would he do enough again to put us in peril and to compromise our trade routes? And we don't want that. Even when there was government money going to help them, they said no. We would rather have the trade routes established. We want a strong trade route uh, reestablished, and we don't want these tariffs. But that's an easy one because the, you know, the the tariffs are temporary. The trade routes are much longer lasting because you're in business then. Right. You're not being subsidized. And once you disrupt it, once you disrupt it and they establish new sources, those farmers are going to be hurt for a long, long time. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. I think two things will come out of uh, last night. That's My gut tells me two things. We'll tell you that coming up following the top of the hour. One about Biden and one about Trump. And we'll also tell you why it matters. <laughs> <laughs> why Red Eye matters. <laughs> like, we're, we're making fun of... The website Axios, it always tells the story and says, why this matters. Why it matters. All right.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood. It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, 86690 Red Eye. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Welcome. Thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you. Thank you. All right, two things I my gut tells me uh, might come out of last night's election results. All right. Number one, Biden is definitely going to run. Mm-hmm. The celebration at the White House over the victory of Bashir, an incumbent in Kentucky, was huge. Mm-hmm. And there were a number of things on social media. Why are they getting so excited? Because I think that they view this, that they view these state elections as approval of Bidenomics and the Biden plan and the Biden economy and everything. Mm-hmm. They buy into delusion on a consistent basis. And so I believe they're looking at this and going, yep, this is the evidence that people are happy with what we're doing. I really do. I really yeah. think this yeah. this is a thing that will push them over the top where if anybody you know, on his staff was trying to nudge him out or if that talk was there, that's, you know, I just I just think that that was, they were looking for anything because they haven't had a positive anywhere that they could point at. Nothing. No, I mean, I we, <laughs> we asked the question yesterday. I, I've asked it many times, but tell me what's working. Well, if their party is winning elections elsewhere, they look at that, and I think you're right. I I don't see Biden's uh, arrogant ego allowing him to step down. I, I just haven't seen that. But certainly now, I think you'll see this uh, renewed effort to, uh, you know, call people like David Axelrod and tell them to hush, shut up, quit talking. No more talk like this. Biden's the guy, no more talking. And it doesn't matter the price of a California governor in China doesn't even <laughs> factor in. And I I wouldn't be surprised if they made a call to, you know, Sacramento. Hey, dude, slow your roll. You're not the guy. You're not going to be the guy. <laughs> Biden's the guy. <laughs> you don't you don't yeah. don't go to China. <clears throat> you already know how to be a communist. You can stay right where you are and you're not going to be president. So that's that's my one gut thing is this will really, you know, push over the next couple of months at least where there is no talk about that uh at all. Mm-hmm. That uh and and they'll be fighting back. You know, and I'm sure you're going to hear it tomorrow. Well, I, I we think that, you know, you saw the great success in in Virginia, taking the House back, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Democrats taking the House and the victory in Kentucky and the victory of the abortion proposition in Ohio. These are the things that we stand for. And it shows that the American public supports the Democrats and they support the Biden administration. Right. 
I think that's what you'll see. The other thing that I think comes out of yesterday, out of the the abortion constitutional amendment in in Ohio, is that uh, Trump will talk about it and say, look, it was decided on the federal level. The right place for it is the states. And if Republicans wish to bring it up, then he'll go right back to what he said before. I will find a compromise Mm. that will satisfy America on it. But we believe it should go back to the states and should not be a federal issue. And therefore, you take it off the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be- right. and, and the reason I say this is normally you couldn't do this because you would see an erosion of conservatives. But he already said it and he wasn't affected in the primary at all. No. Nothing. Nope. There was a, there nope. was nothing. No. Not not a a a two point or three point drop in any of the polls for him from the Republican side. The Republicans did not care that he said, I'll come up with a compromise that everybody will like on abortion and and and, and that the abortion law in Florida is much too radical. And, and there was no blowback from the pro-life conservatives uh, in the Republican Party. Somebody no, might have no. said something, mm-hmm. but it didn't show in the polls at all. And the only I'm convinced the only way that he's not going to be the nominee is if he drops out. If he decides not to run. It's uh Frank Luntz uh was yesterday or maybe happened on uh the day the day before, maybe. Uh on CNN. Talking about, look, other uh, primary GOP contenders are performing in the general polls right now better than he is. And he said, but he's going to be the guy. Which is true. But I would say, too, first of all, these polls are a year out. Second of all, mm-hmm. when it's down to two, Trump versus Biden, those polls will shape up very differently. Now, we don't know where the confidence will be from independence. We don't. Because if you look at the one poll showing Nikki Haley really performing and outperforming Donald Trump in a number of states, that points to independence supporting someone who's I don't know, perceived more as a moderate. And I don't know if that changes when it's down to two. Because ultimately, you get down to the issues and people are, by then, will still be screaming. They are now, I think, but they will still. It's only going to get worse when it comes to uh, the the reduction in spending power of American families, the, 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 the impact of inflation between now and November 5th of next year, there's, it's, it's only going to get worse and people in their minds will want to go back to when prices were lower and in their minds, they believe or hope desperately one of the two, or maybe somewhere in between that the next guy or another guy is going to bring that and, The guy will be Donald Trump. Uh, I saw a couple of articles over the last couple of weeks that said the raises are done in the private sector. Yeah. 
that they can't that right. they right. they've they've reached the limit where you know new hires you know they're not actively going after you know new hires to pay them a lot more money coming in right that just it is happening for the upper demos which, which many predicted to retain the upper demos with experience yes companies are paying more but that was predicted by one economist uh at the end of 22 they said look this shift will be it will be very good for those who have more experience the older workers that are out there but it's not going to be great for younger workers and they pointed out that dynamic you know dangling that carrot to get them on board they pretty have they pretty much have maxed that out and that's what the articles were saying that it's basically been maxed out so when you look over the next year we go out a year from now what isn't going to change people's thoughts of inflation mm-hmm. are not going to change right. in fact they're only going to get worse because you're going to go through another year of this exactly and the potential of having a recession uh now according you know to the so-called experts mm-hmm is greater than it was last week and greater than it was a month ago and greater than it was three months ago and four months ago. Right. The calling that a, a you know, a recession, you know, might happen. And, and so not good. No, and no. there is nothing when you see the uh, poll that was done by the Democrats, the Democratic Strategy Group Blueprint and YouGov, mm. That showed 64% see lowering the prices of goods, services, and gas in the wake of inflation as their most pressing economic focus. And overwhelmingly, they believe Biden can't get the job done. Trump can. Mm. That's huge. Yeah. Because that goes on for another year. That 64 might be 70 or 72 by then. Yep. There is nothing that Biden can do, excuse me, there is nothing that Biden will do Mm -hmm. that will lower inflation. Mm -hmm. Nothing. Right. There's nothing he can do. We talked about Trump. You know, what could if they have this belief in Trump, what should he be promoting? That I'm going to drill like crazy for oil and natural gas. Expanding the economy. We are going to lower the price of energy, which is going to help everybody across the board. It will lower the cost of goods and services, things that use petroleum every in your everyday life, thousands of things that will go down. Yep. And but the and and that's you know you pound on that. What else you pound on to lower inflation? I would be reduced spending, but I don't see either of the presidential candidates coming. I don't see Trump well, no. coming out and saying. I'm going to be cutting this, and I'm going to be cutting this, and I'm going to... I don't see that happening. No, but, no. again, it, it all go, comes back to expanding the economy. If if you, on any of these fronts, uh, in order to increase the spending power of families, uh, in order to increase uh, revenue, tax revenue going into the coffers, all of that is... Because spend spending is not going to be cut. And there's not going to be... You, you got a handful of conservatives on Capitol Hill that want to do it, but it's not going, there's not going to be this huge calling for it and campaign, uh, 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 promises geared toward that. So the one thing you can do 
is come in with deregulation, come in with uh, executive mm-hmm. uh, yeah, moves right. on on uh, allowing more leases or, or expanding drilling and, and move to that end, especially if the Republicans maybe gain a few seats in the House uh, and, and possibly gain the Senate. Those are huge asterisks right now. But he can um, come in with executive orders on regulations and certainly change a lot of that. And that's what you look to do. Uh, expanding the economy is going to be crucial and the the Democrats don't have any interest well, in doing you, that. Again, expanding the economy is going to be limited because, as you said before, uh, we don't have the workforce to do it. But expanding the economy in oil and natural gas, you can do. That's, without, that's exactly right, where, where right. I was going toward. And, the, it, and that is because the 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 process. But, but in, it, my only point is it needs to be phrased, not expanding the economy, but I'm going to lower prices. Uh, yes, that's how you've got to be well, yeah, direct. Yeah, because right. that's the that's the concern. Well, so it's I'm going to lower prices, a, lower prices, lower prices, which is prices. a massive campaign promise. Now, the the thing about issuing a campaign promise from someone like Donald Trump is that he won't have a third term to worry about unless something drastically changes. Well, look, you you make <laughs> he's, he's he's he will be if he's reelected, he will be in his last term, and so. Wait a minute. Biden was going to cure cancer. I know. I know. But that's the difference. Republicans are actually held to it. <laughs> we, we know the standard. We've been doing this a long time. And, you know, it's true. Mm-hmm. When you make a campaign promise as a Republican, read my lips. No new taxes. Then what you do is you explain how an economy works. You say we're going to go in and we're going to we're going to lower the price of oil and natural gas, which will help the economy across the board because you know, 1,432 yeah. products yeah. that you buy each and every day have petroleum in it. We're going to help to lower the price that way. Exactly. And that makes, exactly and, and that, make, that makes sense to people. You're not going to, you know, you promise, you say, my goal is to lower prices. Here's what we do. Mm-hmm. Now, whether it's a promise or not, promises are made all the time. And that's why I said I brought up the well, whole cancer thing. You can make the promise that you're going to improve the economy because those are some simple moves that's going to, that's, yes. that's going to happen. Right. Um, you know, and administratively, they can do a hell of a lot uh, in terms of uh, deregulating. And and those are the things you look to do. You can make those very simple promises and and deliver on them. It, it really kind of goes back to it's similar to 2016 in a way that we said, look. At at that moment, and I think right now, I think it applies in 24 on the economy You don't have to get into details. You don't have to get into the weeds on it with the voter. You may have to do that if, you know, depending on who the moderator is at the debate, because questions will be, well, exactly what is your plan? Give us all 20 points of your plan. But the American voter is not going to be listening for that. They're going to be listening to, I'm going to improve the economy. I will get that done. And that's something that you can promise and actually deliver on. Well, luckily, the media isn't going to get in the minutia of it. It would be sort of like if they're talking about Trump. So you say that you're going to lower lower, uh, uh, gas prices. How will you do that without having an insurrection like on January 6th? Yes. Yes. How will you do that and also remain a bigot? Or, you know, (laughs) I mean, that those are... Those are going to be the questions. <laughs> and that's only if Chris Wallace is one of the moderators. <laughs> I like that. Idea. It's <laughs> <laughs> How are you going to drill for more oil and still be a racist? And still be a racist. 
those are the you know that that's and 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 that's the insanity that you can expect. Are you going to drill for white oil? Right, exactly. <laughs> who white owns, gold? <laughs> who owns that land? We know about federal land, but what about the other land? And who? But those are the you know that that's a promise that you that he can deliver on, and people buy it. I mean, they'll they'll believe it. Number one, because they still put that confidence in him as as somebody who has decades and de- decades and decades of business experience and 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 also the fact that they've seen it happen under his presidency before so mm-hmm. that's something he can deliver no, again, that's, a great, that's a great point yeah and and something that also again we talked about this makes him stand out more than anybody else in the GOP field right now because that is that's a total rarity yeah in modern American yeah, politics it is a president where they can go well, when I was in office, yes, this is what happened. Right. We've had a few governors do that, but you haven't had a president in modern times who can say, they can go, look what he did to the economy and right. look where it was when I was there. Exactly. And they go, that's right, it was better he, there. He, oh, he can point to his yeah. own record. 86690 Red Eye. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and uh, and I'm Gary McNamara. So, yeah, I mean, that's when you look. And we're just doing this because we're a year out now. We're a year out. And and yeah. things can yeah. change drastically. But you were just talking about, we are talking about the lead that Trump has right now. I, I don't, I, I can't even fathom if, and that's why when I st- stated, when he said that about abortion and it, nothing happened at all, mm-hmm. I went, no, nah, it's, it's about, it's bigger than even the issues to the people in the Republican Party right now voting yep. for him. Yep. Nothing is I, going to happen unless he decides to drop out. Yeah. Nothing is going to change. I believe he will be the nominee, and I don't think there's an I, – I, I think the more you look at it, you know, uh, we were looking at uh, you and I off the air talking about others in the in the field, uh, DeSantis and, and, and Nikki Haley and Chris Christie. Chris Christie wants to be there just so he has a place on the stage or a place on – cnn or a place somewhere that he can just go after trump that's his only reason for running nikki haley performing well head to head in the polls against a biden is going to keep her in longer desantis has money uh that he'll, he'll stay in um but the fact of the matter is is that as you see you know this thing's shaping up i i don't know what it looks like again with the money uh, as you get into Iowa, as you get into closer to Super Tuesday, you know what that looks like. Because the fact of the matter is, is, is that are you going to spend your money? Are the donors going to spend their money on candidates that don't have a shot, or do you wait and spend your money on the party and and just support the the nominee? And the numbers aren't changing. If they haven't changed by now, they're not going to change for Donald Trump.
You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. And he is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. So where are we? Where are we going now? Mm. You know, because everybody, we live in a nation that you know on the because I saw it on social media. Oh no, what's going to have is uh, everything is doom and gloom. Well, actually. Uh, the fact that we're doomed, there is a positive to that. Mm-hmm. And the positive to we're doomed is the fact that reality has now kicked in. Biden can get elected next year. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter in the long run who is elected if we don't practice fiscal responsibility. Just to put this into perspective. I think uh, I'm doing this generally. the 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 budget right now, the United States budget is six trillion. Yeah, we have a two trillion dollar deficit. Mm-hmm. That's thirty three percent. We're financing thirty three percent every year because, as we found out yesterday, Bloomberg. We finally hit over a trillion dollars from late October of 2022 to late October of 2023. Now, that's not the fiscal year. That would be from the beginning of October. But we borrowed so much money in October where we actually hit a trillion dollars of interest. That's taxpayer dollars that go for nothing except to service the debt. Yep. And to make me richer when I get my treasury bills. Right. Because that's what you're doing. You're paying off the interest on on the, you know, you're paying the interest on the debt, which mm-hmm. doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't go anywhere for any services to government uh, whatsoever. You're simply servicing the debt on that. So you've got that going on right now. Inflation isn't going to go down. You're going to have the push to spend even more money. The Bloomberg article was talking about, all right, who's going to buy this debt? We got to increase the interest rates. And as as the fiscal situation of the United States keeps getting worse because we're paying more interest on the debt, the overall debt in general, and this is where it may hit next year if we go into a recession Mm. and you have uh, the revenue go down, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that the debt even becomes better bigger you're talking about because we've now reached that benchmark we're in a year period now it wasn't the fiscal year but still in a year period we had a trillion dollars in in interest on the debt right that's never happened before never happened so think about this if we have a two trillion dollar debt 50 percent excuse me if we have a two trillion dollar deficit Half of that deficit is now just interest on the debt. Yeah. Right. And so when you look at where we're headed, because people are like, what are we going to do with the budget? Because now that we have a trillion dollars, now that we've reached that benchmark, and it may fluctuate over the next few months, we may borrow less in November. So from November to November, it may be a little bit less. But the fact is it keeps going up because we keep borrowing money. Uh, you're not going to have the Fed. The Fed cannot put the interest rates down to zero so we can print money and buy our own debt, which means you're going to have to find people 
to buy the debt, which means it's going to cost more and interest rates on Treasury bills that are now way over where they were a couple of years ago. Yeah. What are they? Yeah. 30, 40, 50 times higher mm. because the interest was nothing. Remember, it was 0.01. Right. right. And you, you, you do the, uh, the ratio of that to paying 5%. Mm-hmm. As, and we had stated, we had warned a long time ago, this is what was going to happen. But you look at that and you say, all right, now that we have a trillion dollars, that cuts into hundreds of billions of dollars in spending that can't be spent anymore. Well, you have to spend it for Social Security and Medicare. And somehow in the next couple of years, you're going to have to fix that. You cannot solve the problem. By getting rid of foreign aid and wasteful spending. That is a delusion that Democrats believe and also the majority of Democrats believe that and the majority of Republicans believe that and it is false. And it's going to be a wake-up call when they realize that, uh uh-oh, we can't do this. Now, the good part about that is, if there's a good part in all this uh, domation talk, is the fact that things that they're going to have to cut They can't cut Social Security. They can't cut Medicare. That's not going to happen. There'd be too much of an outrage. They may have to raise. They may have to raise taxes on it. They, uh, uh, you know, might raise the cap, make it an unlimited cap, uh, you know, that you have to keep, you know, paying on it. They might means test. They might raise the age a little bit. You know, a couple of months every year, as they've been doing here for a while. But how high do you raise it? Well, if if they go and hit employers, then employers are going to adjust by adjusting pay. Yeah, we talked about that, too. But but that's how you get out of it. You say, you know, okay, now the employers are going to pay 15% more. Politically, that's going to be your first move. But what can make you, big right. corporations and the rich pay more? But what do you cut? You know what you can cut? You can cut all the subsidies for EVs. You can cut all the subsidies for wind and solar. And you let those become self-sufficient again by producing the products that Americans want. They're going to be well, forced to do that just like because it's not going to work. We know it's not going to work. How do we know? Europe. Mm-hmm. Well, and, they're a couple of years ahead of us. On that's it. that's the thing, too, is that you think to yourself, OK, where's the political headwind on that? And it's environmentalists. But the environmentalists don't have the voice that they once had on that issue. And I and that has changed over this summer. In recent months, that has been a huge shift. Because you look at it and it's the demand is just slowing greatly. Well, when that's the case, then everybody looks at it and says, well, yeah, we don't need to be pouring a bunch of money into something that's not working. Environmentalists are still going to speak out, but they're not going to have the uh, political positioning that they had before. The point being is that politically, you have a greater chance at doing away with those subsidies, I think, than probably ever. Right now. And we'll see where that goes. Certainly between now and 2032, you will, because 
we'll be getting closer to those deadlines and everyone will know. There's no way to meet the deadlines. The mandates have to be repealed and we can't be pouring money into something that's losing money. It's losing money as we pour money into it. We're going to quit pouring money into it. That dynamic will play out. There's no way it won't. And I guess that's the overall umbrella point that I was trying to make is that reality is now hitting all the delusional fantasies we have had of of what we can do with money and how we can play with money in our society. And there's nothing you can do about the reality of economics. It's going to hit one way or another. And that's why it's going and people are going to suffer because of it. People, people will suffer because of it. And, and they also make comparisons. They will say, well, wait a minute. Why are we giving money to EV companies when they should be giving money to people who are having to deal with inflation? That people that can't make, you know, this mm-hmm. is the way they think. It should be, we should be using, this is politically how those things uh, essentially uh, rise to the top, rise to the surface, and actually get done. Because you'll look at it, and, and that's, by the way, will be one of the cells. We could better use this taxpayer money to blah, 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 blah. Well, no one wants to hear cut spending. But they will say, hey, quit giving that money over there where it's going down the toilet and start giving it to the people. That's They think that way. That's the way they think. That if you don't spend it over there, you'll spend it over here where it benefits me directly. The rich and the uh, EV OEMs are all getting the money on those things. I should be getting money. They shouldn't be getting money. It doesn't work that way, but politically, that's the reality. And there's, I don't know what happens in the next, over the next, four to eight years. But the movement we have seen just during the Biden administration tells me it will be a monumental shift. There's no way it won't be. There's just no way it won't be. There either has to be a change where the economy is turning around and we're improving the economy which still won't, I don't believe it will be to the point that it needs to be. When you and I talk about expanding the economy, well, it's not. I don't have the faith that we will be able to get it done to the point of making up for lost ground because it has to be coupled with, a, with, with spending cuts. And when you say cuts, people turn off. And those are the things that, you know, again... Where the, the where the conversation has to change. We talked about the GOP and how they promote, how they campaign. And reality is here. You and I have been talking for how many years about getting to the point closer and closer to where we can no longer service the interest on the national debt. Well, now, in a one-year period, a trillion dollars. Yeah. News came out also that $1.03 trillion in personal credit card debt 
and they point to the things we've been talking about. People spent their savings, and now they're spending on credit cards. And those credit cards are expensive. And when those payments come due on the personal level, this is why I said if people don't care about, you know, pulling back when it comes to their own personal debt, they don't care about the national debt. They're dealing, they're underwater at home. Anything else going on right now, they're not hearing. And that's where you get to a recession point. Also, the you, you see where the um, the Treasury yields and bonds uh, dropping here uh, in recent days and the stock market going up. Well, what does that tell you? Well, the Fed is going to have to pay attention to that because we're still not on top of inflation. And while there wasn't a change in November, there's going to have to be a change in interest rates to the point that it hits the brakes harder on the economy. And I think that is coming. I don't I don't have confidence in Jerome Powell, but reality, I think, will hit the Fed as well, mm-hmm. especially after the first of the year. When it comes to economics, I hate to, to be cliche here and quote Barry Corbin from No Country for Old Men, but you can't stop what's coming. Exactly. No, you can't. You just can't. Yeah. When you when you play and and you have an electorate that puts people into office that tells you that they can control capital and they can control an economy and they can spend and they can manipulate the dollar to a success, you're a fool for voting that way. Yeah. Because now we're seeing I don't know how you get out of this without a ton of suffering. Yeah. No, and, it it will be it will be a great deal of pain. And you see how quickly it accelerates. Yeah, it's like all right. of a sudden, boom, Yeah, a trillion dollars in interest on the debt. Right. Boom, that came out of nowhere. Nobody was expecting that yet. Right. But that's what happens. You know, you talk about compound interest. Yeah. You know, when in a savings account, oh, yeah. yep. the compounding of interest also <laughs> relates yeah. to if you keep borrowing more money. Exactly. Because you're not caring about the principal at all and interest rates are going up. There's no way it's not going to get worse and worse a lot quicker than expected. 86690-RED-EYE. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Harley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. So, yeah, there's a uh, <laughs> there's a little bit of a thought of what might happen over the next year and over the next couple of years. What might happen in the next big election a year from now? Well, what might we be talking about a year from now? Wow. Wow. What will it be like? <laughs> In the event that Trump wins, think about this. The media, just like Hillary Clinton in 2016, didn't want to believe it for days. But there will be a different kind of reckoning, I think, if he's to win this time based on what's going on right now under the Biden administration. An insurrection? <laughs> 
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, 866-90-RED-EYE. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome and uh, good morning. Now, this happened. Yeah? Last night. On this vote, the yeas are 234 and the nays are 188 with four answering present. The resolution is adopted. Without objection, the motion to reconsider is laid on the table. There you go. That's uh, House of Representatives officially censured Democratic Representative uh, Talib for promoting false narratives regarding the October 7, uh, 2023 Hamas attack on Israel and calling for the destruction of the state of Israel. That's officially in it. 22 Democrats joined uh, Republicans yesterday. 184 Democrats voted uh, against it. So mm-hmm. um, it was interesting watching some of the speeches yesterday. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I... You know, we have to have the conversation about radicals serving in office. But we have to have the conversation. That implies that people have been paying attention all this time because the radicals have been there for a while. And... It's not just one topic, one issue that they ha- they hold radical views on. But then you go back to the, okay, what's the makeup of the district that they serve in? Because that's what it comes down to. How many radicals are part of American society? How many radicals are active politically? Well, we're getting to know now, aren't we? It's very, very clear. And this is why the 24th season, I am so curious as to how you shape your campaign. Not just the ads. Because I don't expect the ads to be maybe as blatant although they might be i might be you know i might be surprised by that but it will be the campaign stops it will be the campaigning at home where you're going to hear it more and more and we have seen this and six since october 7th everything has changed and the radicals are proud to be radicals they're behaving that way. And more and more, that's what you're going to continue to see. Because th- they seemed hell-bent on, as always, getting their way, which includes getting reelected. 
Are there going to be any challengers to the radicals that hold office right now? Successful challengers? I have my doubts. Uh, I want to play. This is uh, we had talked about it earlier. This is uh, uh, Chip Roy uh, yesterday as uh, members of Congress were speaking on the uh, censuring of uh, Representative Tlaib. I thank the gentleman from Georgia for his time. And with respect to the gentleman from Maryland, um, I understand the perspectives with respect to free speech. And I certainly wish to always stand aside the protection of free speech in this country. But this goes well beyond that, because we're not talking about restraining the gentleladies from Michigan's ability to speak. As an American citizen, we're not talking about punishing her, putting her in jail. What we're talking about is whether a member of the United States House of Representatives, whether a member of this body representing this nation is justified in putting forward a defense of the actions of Hamas terrorists that murdered innocent Israeli citizens, is holding United States citizens and Israelis hostage, and in her own language was defending on October 8th, a mere 24 hours into the brutal and barbaric attacks in which babies were beheaded, babies were placed into ovens, literally. Moms were raped in a house while their babies were put in an oven. A documented account, video evidence. And this is dismissed as resistance to an apartheid state. My, my problem is, is that the gentlelady is also referring to, quote, Joe Biden supporting the genocide of the Palestinian people. The gentlelady has put forward that by virtue of the United States of America funding in solidarity the people of Israel in defense of their right to exist, that by virtue of our position as Americans, standing in front of that flag in this chamber representing 330 million Americans, that by funding and supporting Israel, we are somehow perpetuating the call for violence that we saw unfold right before our eyes on October 7th in the most brutal and heinous acts that some of us have ever seen. I do not doubt the gentlelady's sincerity of her concern for her home people and concerns about the attacks on the people of Gaza. I had some people who called into question that I would put out my public support for my former colleague, Justin Amash, who lost cousins in a church, you know, receiving missile fire into a building next to a church. I genuinely pray for the people of Israel, the people of Gaza, the people throughout the world that are now dealing with all of this. But the gentlelady cannot, as a member of Congress, be standing up and telling the world that what we saw unfold in attacking Israel is justified. We can't. 
Free speech matters. I have grave concern right now about where this institution is going with respect to censures. I voted against the censure last week because I thought it had drafting problems and I thought it had significant concerns it raised. I believe the work that was done by my friend from Georgia here put forward a resolution that is worthy of support. And so I support the resolution and believe that we should pass it. There you go. By the way, nobody's stopping her from saying anything. No, this is not a free speech issue. No, it's not a free speech issue at all. And that was really the only point they were they were making yesterday because you couldn't make any other point. Well, because there is a and and I think what you you hear here is there is a responsibility of those who are representatives and anyone with any influence whatsoever and how they speak. That responsibility goes back prior to October 7th, even on this very issue. Because it's the left, it's the Democrats who conjured fear in people's minds with lies about bigotry. All of that. Georgia election laws. This is Jim Crow 2.0. All of this is meant to be a driver of fear that motivates people in a way. When people act out of fear, it becomes especially dangerous. And we're seeing that play out now. In order to to position Hamas as liberators or victims in this case, you have to ignore the atrocities You have to ignore their own charter and their own words and especially their own recent actions. You have to ignore it. You have to omit it by just not talking about it, just not acknowledging it at all. And when you lie by omission, you are a liar. And when you conjure up fear, When you motivate people in that way, again, it becomes especially dangerous. And there is very clear and present demonstrations right now of that. We're seeing it play out. That violence isn't new to people who are protesters and rioters on the left. And if you're somebody of influence or a representative on Capitol Hill and you're going to say the things that she has said, there are going to be consequences, not just from within during the censuring process, but also the actions of individuals who are listening to you and believe that this is a growing movement to support Hamas and the elimination of of Jews in such cruel fashion. All of this matters. This is not political. This is radical versus non-radical, period. Full stop. And 
you know, you, there was I, I, a few things blew up yesterday. You saw the uh, the one. Uh, let me just get it here. It's, it, I actually have it on my phone. Uh, the one uh, billionaire uh, uh, hedge fund manager mm. who tears into Harvard's DEI program. Yeah. Billionaire hedge fund manager Bill Ackman, uh, also a Harvard uh, alumnus, admitted ignorance towards his old university's so-called diverse and inclusion organizational framework on Monday by criticizing the Ivy League's efforts as anything but inclusive for all marginalized group. Ackman, the CEO of Pershing Square, tore, uh, tore into his alma mater's diversity, equity, and inclusion program during a phone interview with CNBC. He said... After reviewing the initiative, it shows favor to specific groups while excluding certain demographics such as Asians or the Jewish community. I've always thought DEI was for all marginalized groups. Okay, my ignorance. If you're an Asian student uh, that is a victim of prejudice at Harvard, you don't contact Harvard's DEI office. They don't work for you, and that is really, really wrong. Ackman further suggested that conservative students uh, at the Cambridge, Massachusetts campus have fallen under the definition of the most marginalized group at Harvard since uh, 2018. (laughs) DEI efforts have been launched in academic institutions and other major American organizations nationwide in recent years to essentially reduce the level of so-called microaggressions and biases based on uh, environments while requiring more diversity. But those efforts have faced backlash as at least 30 states have considered passing legislation to defund DEI programs in public universities and state uh, agencies. Well, we know, we've talked about the DEI programs are absolutely the most bigoted programs. Corporations now have jumped on, probably most corporations have an absolutely bigoted DEI program and training that they give their employees. Yep. And the assumptions that it makes, and we gave you a few examples a few weeks ago on it when we got into talking about, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, DEI. Ackman suggested the uh, DEI program should focus on protecting historically marginalized minority groups from the tyranny of the majority. That's what DEI, in my mind, should uh, be about. So Hmm. there you go. Hmm. Uh, Ackman's latest remarks follow his criticisms against Harvard University's president, in a lengthy letter where he accused her of creating an environment where anti-Semitism could thrive and Jewish students attacked by pro-Hamas activists. Well, look, this I think in, in a way, look, it was out there. Yeah, sure. It was out there. And the one thing that you and I first said when the, the polling came out from young people is they felt no shame about it. That's how much they believe in intolerance and bigotry and racism and anti-Semitism, they embrace it fully. Yep. yep. And many of them embrace a genocide of Jews. Yep. These are Americans that are justifying a genocide. Understand that. And it goes right up to members of Congress. Yep. So, but stop the whole thing that this is a free speech issue. It's not. They had nothing else. And all the squad was saying the same thing, that she'd been denied her free speech. No, she was. No, she's not. She could say whatever she wanted to say. And she said it yesterday. She said what she wanted to say. Yep. They're simply saying, 
what you're saying is a lie. Yep. And what you're saying is anti-Semitism. And it's wrong. It's irresponsible. And, you, and you're justifying a you're justifying a genocide, and that's reprehensible conduct for a member of Congress in the United States. Yes. People can disagree with the with the final vote. You could disagree. Republic or Democrats, 184 of them will say, no, we disagree with it. Mm-hmm. She she should be allowed to say that without criticism from the body, an official criticism from the body as a whole, which is stupid. It's like, right. it's like oh, no, they can make their own rules and and regulations, and this this fits a uh, censuring uh, uh, behavior. Yes, you know this this fits what you get censured for. Yep, absolutely outrageous. It is, and. You know, it will be interesting to see what these districts do in 24 because the war is not going to be over by Election Day next year. 866-90-RED-EYE. Brought to you by Hotshot Secret. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on speed and space management. When driving, you need to manage the space around your vehicle so that there's enough space to allow you to adjust when traffic conditions change. The space ahead of your vehicle is the most important and one of the easiest to monitor and adjust as needed. One rule of thumb is to allow at least one second for each 10 feet of vehicle length at speeds below 40 miles per hour. At greater speeds, add an additional second. It's impossible to keep other drivers from tailgating you, but there are some things you can do to make it safer, such as increasing your following distance, avoiding quick lane changes, and slowing down. There are also several things you should do to ensure that there is plenty of space between the side of your vehicle and other vehicles. Don't hug the center line, avoid hugging the right side of the road, and avoid traveling alongside other vehicles in strong winds, especially crosswinds. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller and Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up, uh, some audio from a a Democrat uh, that shows exactly what we have said about Biden is exactly what they know. Mm -hmm. That it's there isn't a difference of opinion once you get them to be honest about it uh, and and about uh, the economic situation. So we'll get to that here uh, in uh, in just a little bit. And I'm just reading here, by the way. This was a. where was this? Who did this? Um, NBC News. You know, the five alarm fire, Democratic frustrations with Biden spill into the open. I think you're going to see that drop today because the White House was celebrating the uh, the victory in Kentucky, the victory in, in uh, Virginia, and the Ohio uh, abortion constitutional proposal mm-hmm. uh, yesterday. So I, I really do think that they're going to be emboldened and believe, okay, this proves that the polls are wrong and we're actually doing a great job. Mm. We'll get to more of this coming up.
Call in and get a word in edgewise. Eric Harley and Gary McNamara on Red Eye Radio. And he is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome and good morning. Download our Red Eye Radio app today and listen when and where you want. Let's go to Kenny in uh, Westland, Michigan, as we talk about the uh, censuring of uh, Representative Tlaib last night. Kenny, welcome. You're on Red Eye Radio. Hi. Hi, fellas. Uh, great show, by the way. Thanks. Thanks for taking my call. Appreciate it. Listen, I live in uh, I live in Rashida's district, and it's um, I think it was Eric right before he went on break. He asked about what what it's going to be like in twenty four for the election. Fellas, she's going to win again and probably buy more. And it's just the name recognition that gets her into office all the time. Well, no, it's it's combined name recognition and radicals who support people like her. There are people like her in her district. Period. Yeah, yeah, it's not the majority though. I've lived. In it's enough to get her life. elected. It's, it's the majority that vote that vote. She won the last election. They're supporting a radical. Yeah. That makes you a radical. Yeah. Re- remember in twenty. Tw- right. I agree it, remember this. The heavy Democratic. Um, right. Rem- remember in, no in twenty eighteen when she ran the first time, she was blunt that she supports. The Palestinian right of return and a one-state solution, which means the elimination of Israel. That was in 2018. Now she had really no major opposition in in uh, in in that uh, election, but in 2020 she won with people knowing that she wants the elimination of Israel. She won 66 percent to 34, while she still became more radical. In 2022, last year, she won with 71% of the vote. The majority of the people that vote for her in your district know exactly where she stands and vote for her anyway. Yep. That's just the reality of of the numbers. And if you do that, that makes you a radical. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you guys. I'm just telling you what the facts are going to be. Yep. She's going to win even more. And the name recognition alone. Yep. And, but it's not which, name recognition. Uh, it's no, not but, just name yeah, recognition. The, the erroneous part of your argument is that it's name recognition wins everything, when, and that's not true. When you say name recognition alone, that is not the truth. We all know who she is, including and especially the people who vote for her. That makes them radicals full stop. Right. You, there there right. are, and especially after October 7th, as I've been saying from day one, there are the radicals and everybody else. And the voters can decide which side they're going to be on. But we've known this, like I said a minute ago, we've known this since far before October 7th. It's absolutely embarrassing to have her as representative. It, I'm sure that it is. Remember when she for many when, that did not yeah, vote for. Her. Remember yep. when she went to replace Conyers? Conyers got out due to a sexual harassment scandal. Mm-hmm. So he knew he he had mo- the most name recognition and didn't run because of the scandal. Right, and he would have been defeated because he believed he would have been defeated because of the scandal. Yep. So name recognition alone doesn't always. It can win you an election if you don't have radical viewpoints. Thanks, Ken. But part of Part of her dominance in that district is yep. based on the fact that the majority of voters, Democrat voters, vote for her because they agree with her. Yep. And the one thing about Tlaib that she has been consistent on 
since the very beginning is her aunt. The fact that she does not believe that Israel should exist. Right. She's not talking about a two-party solution. You know, the the uh, she's talking one-party solution. Yeah, yeah, the the two-state solution. The, the two-state solution. When I say yeah. party, right? She's not exactly. She's not. Now that's impossible because the uh, the Hamas won't and, accept that, and and the Palestinian leadership don't want that. No, and she's part of that mindset, which is Israel needs to be eliminated. Yes. And now she's pro-genocide of right. Jews. Right. Very clear where she stands, and voters in her district can choose to stand with her or not. Right. If you accept that viewpoint, if you accept that position by her, then you join her in that. Well, I mean, it's, you know, the funny thing is because uh, uh, this, uh, let me play this. Uh, well, th- there's some audio I want to play here. And uh, uh, and this is uh, uh, was on MSNBC and uh, Obama White House, uh, Obama White House Press Secretary Robert Gibbs. And uh, he and another panelist were talking on MSNBC about uh, Biden and saying he's doing such a wonderful job. You know how he's handling uh, the situation in Israel, how he's, you know, uh, uh, handled the Ukraine you know, they and it's like he is such an incredible leader here and he has done such a wonderful job on so many things in the economy. And you're just like, wow, I mean, this is just this is completely and totally, you know, just it's it's delusional, you know, when they when they talk about it, because as we stated immediately, we knew exactly where Biden was going to go. Sure. On Israel. We yeah. called it right. Yep. Right at the beginning. He's going to fake full support and then. He knows he's going to get blowback, and he's going to go. Well, now, now he's talking about a three-day, three-day humanitarian pause. Right. And Netanyahu just said, "Nope, we'll talk about it when they release all the hostages. Right. Otherwise, not going to happen." Right. And Biden's pushing. No, no. Why? Because Biden knows that a significant portion of the Democratic Party is pro-genocide of Jews. End of story. There is no Eric. You said it day one. There is no gray area middle ground here. None. 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 Biden is pretending like there's some kind of middle ground and everyone in his administration is doing the same. Oh, we're not calling for a ceasefire. Yeah, you are. No, we believe Hamas needs to be dealt with. And understand when he responds to Tlaib who said... You're going to lose mm-hmm. Michigan yeah. because my supporters are not going to support you. Right. It's already known by her supporters and everybody that Tlaib does not want a negotiated settlement between the Palestinians and the Israelis. They need no. to come to some type of ceasefire and then a peace agreement. She's on the record. She wants Israel gone. Right. It's officially a position of Tlaib. Yep. And it's, so let's not make excuses for her. This isn't or, name or, recognition. Or the people that vote for her. There are no, no excuses. It's no. not just name recognition. There are Democrats on the polls have showed it. There and there can't be a there cannot be a more important issue right now for someone like her. If you're voting in twenty four, 
in her district. Well, there is nothing that takes precedent over that. Oh, nothing. On the MSNBC interview, too, uh, earlier, they were talking about the fact that, well, if Trump gets back in, democracy is gone. Uh Well, yeah, you got a ton of Democrats supporting a congressperson who believes in a genocide of Jews. Yeah, yeah. You know, you have a president who a president who lied to the American public about who, what his generals told him about Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. You have a president that doesn't give a damn about the southern border. Right. You know, we can go on and on and on and on with uh, everything, but I want to play this audio here because this is a uh, this is all about uh, you know the we're a year out and uh, the 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 polling that came out on Biden and then the mm-hmm. election yesterday and mm-hmm. all the spins going to be interesting over the next couple of days. But here's Robert Gibbs telling you exactly what we have said all along. His advice, he uh, okay after he talked for a while, he said, "I got to be blunt. I got to be blunt about Biden." Here it is about this. I think the president needs to stop talking about the fact that America is back. I think he needs to talk about the fact. We have a plan to bring America back. We are trying to improve your lives. But the truth is, people, you can't, you can't talk your way into having people feel better about the economy. I think this idea of, 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 you know, looking at this through economic statistics and saying that the economy is recovered is a danger for people whose lives don't feel different, uh, even though inflation is down over nine months. Okay, that's a lie. Inflation is not down over nine months. The rate of inflation is down over nine months. That's a very important distinction, is it not, Eric? Yep. Okay, let's continue yep. here. All right, here we go. It still costs a lot more money to borrow uh, <laughs> to borrow money for a car. It still costs a lot more money to pay your mortgage. And, and I think you've got to live where people live. And only it's then just... are you going to have the permission structure, I think, to talk really about democracy in a way that's important. Yeah talk about democracy by the way only only is the liberal media talking about the end of democracy yeah yeah um look you've seen the behavior of of this administration you've seen the behavior of uh the those in charge at the department of justice and the fbi Mm -hmm. and how they manipulated uh uh thought any dissent what they called misinformation now you see it play out over and over again and the liberal media the end of democracy are you kidding me because if if nothing had changed if the twitter files never happened if elon musk had not bought twitter what would we know you had one statement, one statement by Zuckerberg, who said, yeah, the FBI contacted us, but you didn't have the Facebook files. All that fell out in that piece of the puzzle, what Zuckerberg said about the FBI going to them, fell into place because of the Twitter files, because we discovered all of this you look at, at at the intimidation, the weaponization of the FBI, the weaponization of uh, you go, you know, the Stanford story that we carried yesterday, uh, the uh, the weaponization of social media, 
against American people? And you're worried that if an election doesn't go your way, democracy will end? Well, no, what they're what they're saying is Trump caused the insurrection and he wishes to be the forever president. Well, that's Remember, what I, that's, that, that, that's that, what I mean. Right. That one, they're they're, they're right. extrapolating that out. Right. Out of what? Out of what? Nothing. Zero. Zero. When all the evidence points to the opposite of their side right. intimidating people through the weaponization of everything that I just mentioned. Give me a break. I know. Because she actually brought it up. The anchor brought it up. She just said, or Trump wanting to be the forever president. It's like, that was something that actually came, you know, way that, remember, Trump wouldn't give up the presidency if he right. lost. Exactly. You know, yeah. that that was way back. And they, yeah. they're they still on that now. Right. There's, they yeah. just pulled that out of their hat. Right. And exactly. you can sit there, as you just did, and say, wait a minute. What about the weaponization of law enforcement against American citizens? Right. You know, not not getting their due process uh, uh, rights. What about the two-tier system of justice that exists right now. Right. You know, look at look what's happened during the Democratic administrations with the IRS, the FBI, the Department of of uh, of of, uh, of Justice, the whistleblower FBI agents saying we just couldn't sit in parking lots and and be taking down license plates of parents num- parents license plate numbers that were there furious because school boards uh, were were uh, involved in promoting. Uh, as part of the curriculum, a racist critical race theory and the radical transgender movement that got a young woman raped and people were furious about it. And here our FBI is telling us we need to go there because these people may be a danger to the United States. Yeah, parents issuing a grievance are the problem. Right. And we can throw in on top of all this the weaponization of the very liberal media that the anchor belongs to in the whole uh uh, Russian collusion scam. Right. Complete scam. Over and over right. again writing that it was collusion, 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 without any evidence whatsoever. And their entire goal was to destroy a legitimate presidential election in 2016 yeah. and destroy that incoming president by repeating a lie over and over and over again that they did very successfully. Right. 86690 Red Eye. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio toll free at 86690 Red Eye. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. You know, I, I'll say this about Tlaib. I believe she has betrayed the Palestinian people. Yeah. You don't hear her criticizing Hamas at all like she does Israel. Right. If Hamas did not exist and didn't have control, uh, do you believe and and... The, and the Palestinian people were actually represented by an elected government with a charter that did not say annihilate Israel and kill Jews. Do you believe that they could come to a settlement? Yes. Yes. I think there would be long-lasting yes. peace. She never criticizes the, the terrorist group that is brutalizing her own people. Right.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.